And this episode of the Disney Dads Podcast is brought to you as a courtesy from our Patreon supporters. They support the show so you don't have to listen to commercials other than maybe some of that amazing um, that amazing travel agent. What was his name? Uh, Justin, over and away with me travel. Of course, of course we need to talk about him a little bit. But other than that, you're not getting any commercials, guys. And that's because of those guys. Now listen, I might be a little biased here, but when I say that they support the show, they also get free content and a lot of shenanigans happens over on the Patreon side. And when I say eh, we have some fun, Guys, I mean, we have a lot of fun, so maybe consider joining them. If not, let's give them at least a round of applause and say thank you for a commercial-free, amazing show. Round one was over. (laughs) Parents won. Kids, sip. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a month. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen... Start your engines! To infinity and beyond! There's a touch of madness around here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Dads Podcast Family, where a show that's a little bit about us, a lot about Disney, and fun for the whole family. And tonight, I am joined by one of my closest, bestest, most best buddies, my great friend Justin, down south, looking fantastic, fresh off the soccer field, had the kids tonight, and uh, it's you and me tonight, buddy. The other guys had a little stuff going on, but I'm certainly, as always, glad to see you. Yeah, buddy. I'll tell you what, man. I... uh... I had an amazing weekend. It was started with, do you get really into your kids' sports? Like, do you get really into it? When the girls were doing the competitive gymnastics, I was, uh, I think I'd be more nervous before a competition than she was, and it was like my Super Bowl Sunday every weekend whenever they would play. Yes. I mean, as, as silly as it was, I mean, obviously when they were, you know, when they got to the higher level, you know, level eight, you know, g- uh, gymnastics, that was some pretty serious stuff. But even when they were little tiny tots and they were on their first couple of teams and they were out there competing, they were, that was my, I would I would take watching them compete, I, I know it sounds silly, on a Sunday over a... A, you know, a huge football game. I can always watch the football game later to see your kids perform live and and compete live and have that drive. I loved it. I think that was great. Okay, so you know, I coach a competitive travel soccer team, and mm-hmm. I've got fourteen girls on the team, and I am I'm one of those people. Look, if you're listening to the show, you know I am high energy all the time. I'm a high energy coach. So we go out on Saturday, and we just got crushed. I mean, absolutely. It was disgusting. It was eight to nothing. It was it was a brutal loss. And I set up, Mike, like they're paying me a million dollars a year to coach this team on, on Saturday night. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to come up with this new formula. Where I'm going to reinvent you know, the, the, the wheel as to how we can win. And so I, I completely redid our lineup, like completely redid how we lined. Like Everything was new. We come out on Sunday. We we run a completely different formation, and dude, we crush the team. I was like, yes, I am not going to get relegated. I am not going to get fired from the job I make no money from. Uh, I am going to keep my job, and I was so happy and proud. But I was a nervous wreck for these girls. I was absolutely a nervous wreck going into the weekend, knowing we had back-to-back games. So uh, I'm glad that other parents probably feel the same way. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. 
Whenever my kid had a bad meet, I always blame the coach. So, uh, well, at I'm least sure. You, at least you redeemed yourself on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they <laughs> did. You know, it's one of those things. And we only play seven on a field, and I took 14 girls. So I'm like, I had to tell these girls that are like seven, eight years old, nine years old that, hey, not everybody gets to play all the time. It's competitive soccer. So, uh, but anyway, end of the week, well, we had practice tonight. Everyone played really well. So uh, I'm coming off a high. I'm, I'm very excited. Also, man. I've got a Disney trip coming up here in about a month with the family. I'm taking Rye and Katie down, so we're starting to plan. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with the 50th coming up uh, here in just a few days' time. When this episode's dropping, it'll be right around the 50th. And, uh, Mike, you know, one thing we wanted to talk about this week and next week is all about Walt Disney World. We wanted to jump into the parks. And this week, we are going to talk about 10 things, our 10 things as a show, that we think has been the most influential moments over the last 50 years of the Walt Disney World parks. And there has been quite a few. I don't know about you, buddy. When I was looking at this, this was a hard list to put together. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. I, we could easily do 20. Easily. I mean, we were rambling them off, and we were, you know, it, it was certainly, the, the ones we narrowed down was hard to narrow down because there were just so many out there. Well, and it's just, like, as you, look, a 50-year time period is huge. I mean, if you look back 50 years, you've got Walt, you know, flying over the property and, and selecting the land and creating dummy corporations to purchase the land and, and all that. You know, it really is the birth of Orlando, Walt Disney World. Orlando does not exist without Walt Disney World and without Walt Disney selecting that, you know, patch of land that was marsh pretty much at the time. Uh, to, to build this oasis of, of fun that we get to go to all the time and something that we enjoy so much. Uh, so let's dive into this. These are 10 things that we, over the past 50 years, think have been the most influential moments of the Walt Disney World property uh, celebrating this week and next, celebrating the 50th anniversary of our beloved Walt Disney World. So, Mike, let's dive in to number 10. What's coming in at number 10, brother? Uh, I think something that started way back in, I guess it was 1995, quite a while ago, something that we've all pretty much taken part of, and I think it's an important part of the Walt Disney World history, and that was having extra ticketed events. You know, that whole drawer of paying a little extra to maybe stay for extra hours, uh, maybe meet a character you wouldn't normally meet, get to see a specific parade or a different fireworks show than the normal people would get, gave it that kind of special kind of exclusivity where you wanted mm-hmm. to just be part of something that not everybody was part of and i think that the early on in the in the you know the Walt Disney World days when they started doing these extra ticketed events whether it be a halloween show you know the, or whether it be a christmas or you know we were fortunate enough to be able to have some of those dvc extra ticketed party stuff where it was just exclusive to the people that were party members uh, i think that's a huge part of their history was adding that into their i guess uh, repertoire of things to you know look forward to on a disney vacation you know, it's one of those things, too, man, where, like, that plays such a huge role in our vacation. Every time we go is Mickey's Not So Scary. Mickey's Very Merry. Like, not only that, we're not even talking about those extra ticketed events. Firework viewing parties. Mm-hmm. You know, anything you're paying extra to do. You know, uh, dessert parties. It plays such a big role in so many uh, families' vacations because it's unique. Look, we can all go to Disney World. 
We can all go ride Splash Mountain. We can all go ride Space Mountain. We can all experience that. But when you pay the extra money to do these parties or to do the extra ticketed events, you have a very unique situation in front of you to where you are viewing the fireworks from a very specific location. You couldn't have done it otherwise. You're at a dessert party with other people who have paid the same amount of money. I think in 1995, Disney saying, you know what? We're going to embrace Halloween, we're going to embrace Christmas, and we're going to create these party events that we will shut down the parks, we will say park closes at 6, and it's going to be open for, let's say, 5 or 6 hours. And we're going to allow people to come in at a limited capacity. It's a massive moment for Walt Disney World to say, we're not just going 8 in the morning to 10 at night, base, you know, whoever, whoever buys a ticket can come in, we're creating a special moment for someone else to be able to purchase. I think it's a massive moment. I really do. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, do you think, now, with that said, I think we talked a little bit about the, you know, what's going on this year. I know it's special because of COVID and reopening everything. Do you think post-COVID, post-now, mm-hmm. we get back to eventually where we were for the previous 20 years, 25 years with the parties? I think so. I think because they were a success. I mean, you don't do something for 25 years if you're failing at it. I think that it it worked well for them. I think it worked well. I think the feedback was fantastic with the overall Disney community, the first-timers, the regulars, the DVC people, the locals. I think it's a, it's a huge draw to get in that extra stuff where you say, you know what? I really want to do the you know Christmas party this year. I really want to do the Halloween party or something along those lines where I want or listen, there's going to be a DVC event and I want to be able to have that because maybe I'll get to preview uh, the Remy ride uh, because I'll be the only one in Epcot that night with select few people. So I think that they're going to go back to that because it worked so well before. What's your favorite extra ticket event you've ever done? Uh, had to be a DVC party. We did a uh, we did a DVC party at Epcot, and it was very cool being able to be there, and you know, just people handing out Mickey bars, and I just kind of felt special because I felt like the park was to me. I, I've been at Magic Kingdom late at night. Uh, you're just on a regular night when it closes late, and you're kind of like one of the few people walking down Main Street all by yourself, and that's really cool. But I think having that, um, like. I scored these. I scored these wristbands today. I got. I was able to get in. It was a hard to get event. It's kind of like you know when you get to see your favorite concert. You know mm-hmm. when you're a kid and you get the front row seats because you slept out overnight to get tickets for uh, something you want to see and you get to see your favorite band. I mean to be able to score those those tickets for that event, but it's really hard to get to. I think that was really special to me. Yeah, I'd have to go. Mickey's not so scary. It's still my favorite. I've done some really cool ones too. Like I've done, are we including tours on this? Because like walking in Walt's footsteps, you know, that's, you know, an extra ticketed sure. event you're paying for yeah, um, where I got to stand in Walt's apartment. But for me, like on an annual basis, Mickey's not so scary with the boo to you and parade and the fireworks and the trick or treating and the limited capacity inside the Magic Kingdom. I think it's so special. And I really hope that Disney embraces this, uh, you know, for years to come. I hope that the last two years are kind of an anomaly and we get back to normal uh, maybe in 2022 with Mickey's Not So Scary. I, I think if they announce Mickey's Not Scary, it'll be the biggest event in the history of Walt Disney World. Yep. I think it'll sell out unbelievably fast. I think people will be like, yep, I'm in. I didn't really want to do the boobash because of the price and the limited uh, hours that it was available, but uh, you bring back the Headless Horseman riding through the Magic Kingdom and that amazing parade and that soundtrack, I am all the way in. 
all the way in. Um, speaking of COVID and speaking of things being a little different, Mike, I think this the number nine on our list of the top ten things that you know are the most influential moments of Walt Disney World. I think we would be remiss if we did not include this on the list. I think we have to go back not too long ago to July the 11th of 2020, and we have to go to the reopening of the Disney parks uh, after being shut down for the COVID epidemic. Uh, I I was there two weeks after this. Do you remember, looking back at 9-11, you know, the parks shut down, and mm-hmm. it was a very strange time, but it was only for a couple days. The parks were shut down for months. We've never seen anything like this before. And I remember hearing that a rumor, I heard, you know, some information that they were going to be reopening sooner than we expected. I think it was my first real moment of like, oh, there's a little bit of normalcy going back. Like being able to get back inside the parks. And we're those crazy people. We did five trips in five months. You know, we did July, August, September, October, November. We were in the parks. So for me, I think it's a massive moment. I think if you had told Walt what was going to happen, you know, and knowing the parks would have to shut down and yet they still would come back, you know, months later and be able to open the parks and, and do it the way they did, kind of set the standard then I, I think he would be very, very proud. Um, for me, that moment when those parks reopened, I think a lot of people who are Disney fans, it was for them that moment of, okay, I think we're back. I think we're getting there. We're on the road back. What about you? You know, uh, me being in New York, obviously, I, I, I'm not shocked by much. You know, and you kind of take everything with a grain of salt when you hear news about certain things. And you know, I'm, I'll still remember because I was working, you know, in the city, and I started hearing the news like, well, March Madness was going to stop, mm. and they were canceling NBA games, and and all of these things were starting to be canceled. And I'm like, are they overreacting? Because you know, we had Ebola before, or we had, you know, we and we we had all of these other. Tip- Obviously, we've never been through this before. You know, we've had bird flu scares and all these other different things. And I, I said, I think they're jumping the gun a little bit, and maybe this is just this is just pan out in a couple of weeks and I was trying to be positive you know like maybe they're just overreacting a little bit obviously they weren't and you know it was all you know uh, what it needed to be but you know when Disney Disney World said they were going to close it was almost like the reality of it really hit like holy cow you know like um, they're not just canceling um, March Madness they're not just canceling you know a couple of sporting events or a couple of concerts they're really canceling this and when Disney said they were closing and how long they were going to be closed for after the few times when they've only been closed you know a day here a day there a couple of days here a couple of days there that really started to sink in and to have an opening date when they said, you know, we're, we're going back July 11th, you know, we want to, you know, we're welcoming you back in. Uh, that was the reality where it was kind of like, okay, we can breathe a little bit. Things are starting to get a little bit normal. Things are starting to pan out a little bit. And I think that was a, a huge date. And it's one of those dates that even if it's not, even if you're not a Disney fan, just to see how the world was starting to get back to a little bit of normal was obviously a little bit of sigh relief for a lot of people. You know, it's one of those things too, man, like still there's still stuff going on, you know, like all these, mm-hmm. now we're all, we're, we're over a year later. We're still kind of going through this, but you're right. I mean, like it was the one time, because if you remember, you talking about March Madness, you know, I'm a huge Kentucky basketball fan and I was watching the SEC tournament and all of a sudden they were just like, we're done. And I've been to the SEC tournament multiple times in Nashville. That's a huge money maker for that city. And they're like, we're done. It's over. 
and then they canceled March Madness, and they canceled like it was like dominoes. And NHL season canceled, and you know, and like you said, when Disney said it, that's when I really I looked at Katie. I was like, "Whoa, this is this is real. Like this is this is real." And then, of course, we started getting sad news because we have a lot of friends that work as cast members, and I'm getting calls from them. And they're like, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sent home, and then I'm furloughed, and then completely then completely laid off." And once the parks reopen, I know that not everybody got back to work right away, but you could start to see it. And I, it was it's the most interesting time for me ever inside a Disney park because I'll never forget my first time back. Um, and I have those pictures. We were standing on Hollywood Boulevard with Tower Terror behind us, and there wasn't a soul around us. No one. Not one person. We stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge, and we didn't see another guest for the entire four days we were there. It was crazy. I mean, crazy. This is stuff you tell your grandkids about. Mm-hmm. I was here when this happened. And uh, for me... I think that Disney gave not only Disney fans, but the world something to smile about on July 11th, 2020. I agree. And that was a return to magic. So uh, that's number nine. Number eight, buddy. What you got? Um, something that I haven't partaken in yet. I have to get up the courage, the stamina, and the leg strength to do it. But uh, that's when Disney introduced the, you know, the Run Disney Marathons back in 1994, and um, it's been huge ever since. I mean, it's 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 a huge draw. A lot of people come from all over. That that becomes one of their things to do. Disney, how they run everything, they run the marathons. Great. Uh, I'm not a runner. Everyone who I know who is a runner says how good Disney does it. The organization, the actual events that they go on. Uh, I gotta, you know, I probably have to join our run Disney group and get up a little bit more, uh, some regular run time and, and t- partake in one of these marathons so that I can say I did. You know, we did the 5K when we were at Castaway on mm-hmm. the, uh, the Disney Dads Cruise, which was really cool. But uh, the whole run Disney community, the whole run Disney events, all of the stuff that goes with that is just, it's, it's super huge. And I think that was an amazing thing that Disney World was able to bring to their uh, Disney loving community. You know, one of the things is what Disney's done really well over the years is once the parks opened, you know, people loved going to the parks to ride attractions, stuff like that. Disney became a uh, a global destination, vacation destination for people who aren't huge Disney fans because of decisions like this. So they became a massive place for people to go who maybe, you know what, I don't have to be in the parks. But I want to go run these races because they're insanely unique. And when you talk about 1994, you get the first Walt Disney World Marathon. Um, you know that is a very niche uh, group of people who can run a full marathon. Uh, Mike, you and I are not in that group, for sure. <laughs> we 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 are not those people, buddy. As much as I'd like to be, it is not us. But here's what Disney did. They got very smart, even though that first year, and I think they realized too, that first year, and this, if for anyone who's a run Disney fan, you're going to absolutely just go, wow, that's crazy. Uh, that first year, they only had a little over 5,000 people, a little over 5,000 runners that came to run that marathon. Uh, but four years later, they come back in 1998, they bring the half marathon, and this is the smartest thing they do. They bring the family fun run 5K. So they brought in something that was a little more attainable for more people, 
And they brought in something that includes the kids, which Disney's always been fantastic at. Then they go on, and uh, of course you get the 10K added in 2014, and we get the 5K uh, on Castaway added in 2015, which for those of you in the patron, I think you know the story behind that. We have a very, very uh, intimate uh, uh, story between the Disney Huts podcast and the Castaway uh, K 5K challenge because it was created by someone we love very, very much. Um, I will leave it at that. If you want to know the story, join the Patreon. Uh, I think it's a great thing. It Look, remember years ago, Mike, when we used to go to the parks and there would be dead times? Yeah. Those were yep. awesome. Which the parks are a little slower right now, too. I think September is a great time to go. I always tell people, our, like, if you can get there, go. Our, our trip was always the last week of August going into the first week of September because I know a lot of the southern schools, especially down by mm-hmm. you, are the kids already back in school. And up here in the northeast, the kids don't go back to school till sometimes the second week of September. So uh, the kids that are down there that are back in school really aren't going to Disney for a vacation their first week of school. Or, you know, you, you, don't, you don't get a lot of the locals because they've kind of been parked out for the whole uh, for the whole season. But uh, that used to be our favorite time, and those would be some dead times. And I remember, and we've talked about it as a family, how we just walk on our rides, 10-minute waits, 15-minute waits. So uh, it's as nice as it would be to see that again. Is it going to happen again? Probably not. But uh, it, it, is, it, is, it was a good time having the slow times. Well, this is what this did. When we talk about you know our number 10, the extra ticketed events, and we talk about now um, the run Disney, it took those times that were extremely slow and it filled in those times. So, and here's what I love to look at Disney. Disney does this better than just about anybody. They can identify what's successful very early and then build on top of it. And I think that's that's something that we all sh- we should all strive for. But listen to this, okay? 1994 you get the Walt Disney World Marathon. Are you ready for everything that happens after that? All right. You get the Walt Disney World inline. You get the Florida Half Iron uh, Man Triathlon at Family Festival. You get the Mini Marathon Weekend. You get the ESPN The Weekend. You get the Princess Half Marathon, Star Wars Half Marathon, Dark Side, Race for Taste Food and Wine Festival, Wine and Dine Half Marathon, Food and Wine Festival, uh, Tinkerbell Half Marathon, Disneyland Half Marathon, Avengers Superheroes Half Marathon, Star Wars Half Marathon, Disneyland Paris Half Marathon. And then, of course, now the virtual running that started in 2016, which is massive with COVID happening because they were able to continue to do that where you could run at home and earn medals. I think it's huge. Uh, there's so many great races out there for so many people and they've become so inclusive for people who are, you know, whether you can run a marathon or do a 5k, there's something for everybody to go cheer on. This gives me a great opportunity to plug our running page. If you have not gone and joined that page, uh, it's the Disney as podcast, uh, sorcerers runner, uh, running page. It is a place of con- constant and complete positivity. Go join that page right now. You do not have to be a runner, okay? Only if you are sitting on the couch and you go, you know what? I need to take that first step. I need the motivation. I need someone to back me. Uh, go join that and uh, and become. People are constantly posting uh, over there, and it's always amazing uh, watching everyone get up and, and try to reach those goals. And everyone has their individual goals, Um and they're there to uh, to push you and to make sure that you know we all have your back and we're we cheering for you, uh, Mike. I'm going to take us to something else. You know, as we talk about slow times in the parks, this is something else that was created that at the time was needed that would fill the parks during slower periods, the spring, the fall, and that is festivals. The birth of festivals at the Walt Disney World Resort. And especially Epcot. 
Uh, I plan vacations around festivals. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, you can almost hardly ever go now and not have a festival. So you, it's it's a matter of which one you really want to hit, obviously. Yeah, uh, Epcot has become the park of festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the creation of festivals was a just massive moment. You're looking back at like the tap, Tapestry of Nations festival that took place. Um, and then, of course, like they did the big festival right around the change of the millennium uh, there in Epcot. But I think Disney learned... Early on, they said, you know what, if we can create these certain moments throughout the year to where people, we give them something very unique at no additional cost, then they will come. You know what I mean? If you build it, they will come. Uh, and I think the festival served their purpose with that. I, It's something really unique you don't see other theme parks do. You're starting to see it more and more. Universal has tagged on to this, and now Universal's like, we're going to do a festival every month of the year. Like, they had all these festivals. They had Mardi Gras. They got, you know, they they do it all the way through now. Um, But they stole it from Disney. Do you think Disney would be smart to have Epcot festivals from January 1st till December 31st? 100%. And just, and you know, if you have to... you don't have to add a new one, but you know, you expand, you know, the food and wine a little bit longer. You expand the art and music a little bit longer. Just this way you're covered from January first till December thirty first having a festival all year long at Epcot. I think you go arts festival, straight into flower and garden, and then you create a summer festival, right? That is all like summery, citrusy type foods, like mm-hmm. warm weather, you know, good drinks get a lot of bands in. I, that's when I would make my, that would be my band centric uh, time is like a summer festival. You know, cause when you think about, when you t- think about bands and you think about concerts you've been to, a lot of times if you're going there, a lot of times they're in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to these festivals all over the place. Um, I would create a summertime festival. You go straight into food and wine and then you go straight back into the arts. Like I would just, it would be a repetitive 365 every year there's a festival going on. Here's the only here's the other thing, dude. I would expand it to Animal Kingdom. I would have a festival in Animal Kingdom every day of the year. You embrace the African and Asian cultures and you do a festival in those areas year round. Pandora would be an interesting place to have a festival. But think about it. Here's the thing. Now you can do whatever you want. It's creative. You write the story. Right. Why not? Why not? Here's the the weird part about festivals for me. All the festivals take place at the park with the best dining. Right. So now you're stuck with a, a, a dilemma of, well, do I get an ADR or do I just eat around the world? Whereas if you put it in Animal Kingdom, let's be honest, the dining's not fantastic. Go put those booths around there. It's set up perfectly for it. Go do it. I I, I think it'd be great. They have great if you if you ever stay at Animal Kingdom, you know they have some amazing menu items and selections that you really only get when you're at Animal Kingdom. Yep. I mean, you bring start bringing them into the Animal Kingdom theme park. I think that would be great. Oh. I mean, hey, to be able to get a zebra dome, you know, walking around uh, Animal Kingdom uh, theme park would be amazing. We're talking about two massive continents, okay? So embrace those different countries within those continents, and 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 display them. You know what I mean? And, and and build on them year to year to year. I think it's I, I just think it's a 
great idea. I really do. I, I think that's what they should do. I think it would draw more and more people to Animal Kingdom. Make it a nighttime thing. You know what I mean? You don't have to staff it all the time. Festival starts at 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. We're going to keep Animal Kingdom open a little bit longer for the festival. What's the latest Animal Kingdom's open till now? Well, pre-COVID. Uh, I mean, there's nights where it stayed up until 9. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. But the, the original inception, they were closing early. It used to be one of those. Oh, it used to close five five o'clock. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. So, but it's uh for me, man. The the birth of the festivals at number seven, uh, for the ten most influential moments in the history of Walt Disney World, I think sits right where it should. I think it's a massive thing. People plan their vacations around it. People plan their trips to be there for certain festivals. People go, I'm going to Food and Wine this year. They don't say I'm going to Hollywood Studios to ride Mickey and Minnie's. They say I'm going to be at Food and Wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I do. I agree. But number six, buddy. Uh, number six, something that I got to. Th- this is part of. I mean, part of this is really what my family. I got to watch this happen. Uh, I want to talk about park expansions, and there's a lot of things where the original footprint of the park was uh, either expanded a little bit, or whether they really refurbished and redid a particular area. One of the park expansions that I'm particularly fond of because I got to see it through my childhoods, uh, through my kids' childhood, because it was pretty much a staple of our Disney trips was the Fantasyland expansion and to watch them close down where Mickey and Minnie's Toontown Fair was and then turn it into the amazing place that we have now, the construction of Beauty and the Beast Castle, the construction of uh, poor Rapunzel's bathroom, uh, you know, to see all of those things uh, come to life because uh, I went there when, when the kids were little and it was all, you know, wide open fantasy land and then to see it have the walls go up and then to be able to come back and be able to take it all in and see the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and all of these amazing things that they got to add on. Uh, that's just one park expansion. I mean, obviously, I got to ex- witness the park expansion and completely retheming of Galaxy's Edge, which was something that I'll I'll cherish forever. I mean, I love that area so much. Uh, I'm so glad I got to experience it. But park expansions are huge, and I think that uh, I'm glad that they just didn't keep the same same old same old the usual rut and just kind of just figured well we'll just you know have people come on you know our regular reputation that they went above and beyond to expand the parks into what they should be and uh, i'm glad to see that they did that walt disney always believed that the parks would never stay stagnant there would always be growth there would always be change i sometimes have to remind myself of that idea too whenever i hear things like the fact that happily ever after is going away if you listen last episode uh, or the fact that Splash Mountains be rethemed, or you know, like all this stuff. I have to remind myself that Walt's idea was that we're not going to sit and rest on our laurels. We're going to go and we're going to uh, constantly grow and expand, and, and it will never be done. Okay, especially Walt Disney World. Disneyland's hindered by the amount of space they have. Walt Disney World's not. I mean, the reason Walt wanted the the Florida project was because. You could never outdream, or you know, uh, the space that you would have. Like they would have the space to continue to grow and build on anything they wanted to. And I think that the park expansions show that more than just about anything. I think that embraces Walt's vision more than you know festivals, more than Run Disney, more than you know uh, extra ticketed events. I think that when you go and you see, oh, they're building. They're growing. They're changing. That's Walt. That is Walt's idea of what Walt Disney World should be. 
And it really is an incredible thing. Now, do I think that some renovations should take a decade? I do not. When you talk about New Fantasyland, that took quite a while uh, to to go. Um, but I remember driving by Pandora, and you would see the floating mountains go, and you knew Joe Rody was somewhere creating this magical world that we could go into. Even if you're not a huge Avatar fan, it's it's a breathtaking moment, you know, to walk through those those areas. Or even let's go further back. And let's go to Epcot with the addition of different uh, showcases in World Showcase where, you know, it's a collaboration with a different country, with a different culture to bring that culture to Central Florida where a lot of families will never have the opportunity to board a plane and take their family over, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, Japan and experience that or to China or, you know, or to Germany and to have that small little moment there to where you can go in there and, and teach your kids that there are other cultures out there, that there are other ways of living and allow them to appreciate that. The expansions do that. And it's, it's a really, really great moment for Disney. Anytime they announce an expansion because they are saying, yes, we're happy with where we are, but we're not sitting down. Okay. We're constantly keeping our feet moving and we're constantly moving forward. We keep moving forward with the parks with each and every expansion. And uh, and I we we've seen it in every park now. We've seen it in Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and Animal Kingdom, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. They're going to continue to expand. They continue to grow. They're continue to build on what they've already done. And I think uh, I, I really do think, man, park expansions play a huge, huge role over the last fifty years. Because if Walt had built the Magic Kingdom, Mike, and he had just said, "We're," or you know, Roy had built it really, uh, but they had built the Magic Kingdom, and he said, "We're done." This isn't the same show. No. This isn't the same family. This isn't the same destination to go. Orlando's not the same. It's not it, it's not it's not where people say I'm going to see the mouse. You know, they go to Disneyland. So, I am I am extremely happy with all the decisions that the Disney company makes to com- constantly embrace, you know, change. Change is hard, man. Look, we went through a huge change. With Jay, you know, deciding to uh, to step aside, adding two new hosts, change can be hard, but it's also fun, and mm-hmm. it's also a time for you to embrace something new. So I love the fact that we get expansions from the Disney parks, and I think it sits right where it needs to, right at number six. Number five, though, I think maybe the most fun one on this list. Give it to me, Mike. Uh, I think something that was pretty cool is. Uh, a lot of TV shows in the early 90s were filmed in Disney World, actually on property. You know, uh, Full House, uh, Boy Meets World, uh, Roseanne, Step by Steps, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. There are so many different TV shows that you get those little flashbacks of. Uh, I, I kind of relate it to when I'm home and I haven't been to Disney in a while and I get to put on the Christmas Day Parade and I get to see mm-hmm. Disney on my TV screen. I think it's really cool. Uh, I love, I mean, listen, I see the Macy's Parade. I'm here in New York. Obviously, it, it's it's nearby it's right down you know it's close by if i wanted to go see it but if i haven't been to disney in a while to be able to put on christmas morning and see disney world on on my tv and that's the street that i walk down and I, that's that that's my main street you know that's my castle and to be able to see that at home i think it was really cool to see the filming of the TV shows uh, and, and kind of bring it into your living room on another on another way because obviously back in the 90s there was no social media and it also kind of made it a 
desirable destination. You know, if you really like those TV shows or you were a fan of the shows or you would fan, your family sitcoms, you would watch them all the time. You kind of said, oh, that was cool. They were at the parade over in, on, in Magic Kingdom or they were in front of Epcot, you know, Boy Meets World with Topanga and, and all of those, those cool uh, shots you would see from those TV shows. So I think it made a huge part. And we also saw a lot of TV commercials too. There was a huge expansion of that as well too. And um, we've seen them before on YouTube when they do all the throw back uh, commercials and you remember them all you know especially if you've seen them before so I mean some of our younger viewers might be having but I remember watching them as a kid and seeing Disney and really wanting to go and um, we see them pop up on our you know Facebook social media feed once in a while but I think it was very important all right so this I have anything to do with this but real quick Disney Dad's family back me up and post in the group if you remember this do you remember the commercial the pizza commercial I think it played before, Mike, you have been a little old. I don't think you went to see this in theaters, but Land Before Time came out in theaters, right? And I went and saw it, okay? And there was a commercial, a pizza commercial, and it was this little boy, and he was playing outfield. He was playing baseball, and he misses the ball, right? And there's like a song playing, and then it goes back, and, and he catches it, and then his family takes him to Pizza Hut at the end. And it's like the song's like, I play right field. It's important, you know, you got to learn how to catch. You got to learn how to throw. <laughs> That's why I play in right field, out where the dandelions grow. Does anyone remember that? Uh, no clue. Really? Don't remember it at all. Okay. I, I'm going to have to go down a YouTube rabbit hole later, right. and I'm never going to go to sleep tonight. But So Katie thinks I'm crazy. She's like, that doesn't exist. So someone back me up, please, okay, because I know I, it's out there. Have you searched for it? I haven't. I've, I know. I just. I know it's in my brain. I know it's okay. there. So it's. It is. Uh, I. Th- I think when people, if if people were to sit down, and write this list out, and write ten things most influential moments in Walt Disney World history of the past fifty years, this would be the one they would not think of. It is huge, because people have to realize, like you said, there's no social media. The internet's just getting started, so all of your uh, if you're if you're a Disney sponge at the time, it's all coming from television. Like if you're taking it on, there's not podcasts, there's not YouTube channels. You know, we don't have all that. So when you see the Magic Kingdom, you see it through two ways: you see it through commercials and you see it through television or movies, and that's it. And I look back at some of these commercials. And I remember watching as a kid and going, I want to go there. That's what I want to do. Or I remember watching some of these shows and be like, that's what I want to do. I want to be there. And it helped grow this culture of Disney fans that are our age now that have this complete, you know, utter love for this company. But it comes from this. It comes from the commercials and it comes from the television. Because a lot of people weren't in the parks all the time. And it comes from the movies and, and stuff like that. So it plays a huge role. But listen, this didn't stop. This still goes on today. You still see uh, some of my favorite Modern Family episodes are when they're in the or in Disneyland. You know? Like, you still see celebrities in the parks constantly. Hollywood and celebrities and television and Disney parks have, have this symbiotic relationship that continues to grow and I think constantly will. And I think it's just a massive moment, man. And you know what? All this goes to Michael Eisner. Michael Eisner understood the fact that if we put it on TV, 
if we made it look enjoyable and we made it look magical, people will come. People will want to be here. And if people come and people want to be here and people spend their money, then we can grow the parks. We can do expansions. We can do extra ticketed events. We can do all this stuff that we've been wanting to do. And he understood how to embrace that moment. And it's absolutely perfect in the top 10 things that's the most influential over the last 50 years. Television, media, uh, commercials. It's, it's, it's deserves right there at number five. Good choice. Justin, what's the number four choice we were talking about? Uh, one of my favorite places on Walt Disney World property. Uh, I, think it, I think it doesn't get the credit it deserves. Because if you don't know the history of it, then you don't understand that it was the groundbreaking moment of keeping people on property. And that is looking back at downtown Disney and also looking forward to Disney Springs coming in 2015. Uh, Mike, when we look back, once again, I'm going to praise, I'm going to praise, I hope Michael Eisner listens to this episode because I love you, man. I'm going to praise you right now. Michael Eisner watched people leave property to go shop. He, he watched people go to these, you know, places, you know, a couple miles away to go get Disney merchandise. And he goes, what in the heck are we doing? And he creates this place that people could stay on property, spend their money, go eat and, and, and really enjoy it. But it's not until 2015 that I think it really becomes mainstream. I have been going to the parks, Mike, since I was 18 months old. And I've been to the parks consistently, consistently since then. Never was downtown Disney a must-do for my family. Disney Springs is. It is a, quote-unquote, fifth gate for me at the Disney parks when I'm on a Disney vacation. What, Mike, I'm going to ask you this, makes that transition in 2015 from downtown Disney to Disney Springs one of the most influential moments of Disney history? I think just the overall layout, I think the variety of stuff that you have. I think you have everything from your World of Disney store, your Lego store, to extreme fine dining. So I, I think it really hits the niche for everybody. You have some exclusive places to buy some real high-end merchandise, and then you have your regular everyday souvenirs. So I think just the actual layout of the availability to hit on all cylinders when it comes to uh Meeting everybody's need. You know, if you want to go there and spend $5,000 on a pair of sunglasses, you can. Or if you want to go to World Disney and get a $10 pair with Goofy on the, on, the, on the lenses, you can do either way. And I think that it has a little bit of something for everybody. It has the kind of dining you want for a family. It also has a very romantic night out, you know, adult night out. Uh, family night out. It, it really hits on everything. And even though it can be very adult-based at certain moments or certain places, it never loses that feel that it's also a kid-friendly place. It's in a family-friendly place. And even if you're there for an adult night, it doesn't feel like you're amongst you know, Mickey Mouse and, and the Fab Five and you're at a, at a character meal. I, I think that they do a good job of blending everything in together to really make everybody feel inclusive and kind of give everybody what they want. No, I think you nailed it. I think that's it. I think when you look, the one thing about the Disney parks, other than Epcot, there's not a lot of great dining other than the resorts and other than the than Disney Springs. Like if you enjoy Disney food, 
Disney Springs needs to be on your list of things to do. Because, like you said, they have something for everyone. I can go there. Mike, you and I can go there, just me and you. We can have a top-of-the-line meal night out as adults. I can go there, which I did this not so long ago, with just Riley and I, with a nine-year-old. And we can have a great time at Raglan Road, watching dancers, going through World of Disney, you know, listening to DJs play. Some of them we know, some of them we don't. uh, They're on the stage. It has something for everyone. Not only that, it has that Disney magic to it, too. When you're there, you're still getting the, that Disney cast member service everywhere you go. And I think it's, I, I really do think, and I tell families this all the time, like, if you're not going to Springs, if you're not making it a part of your vacation, you're missing out. You're really missing out on something special in the Disney parks. I really do believe that. So I think that expansion to Disney Springs has really added. And I think it's going to continue to grow. We talked about expansions. It's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to get better and better and better. Hey, speaking of that, are you going to see the new Cirque show? Uh, Probably not. No? Not your thing? No, not my thing. Surprise, man, with the girls liking gymnastics and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I'll go with them. I, I've we I think because we have Circus Soleil up here. I think just because uh, it's not okay. one of those exclusive things. Uh, it's we a Disney story, it, though. Yeah, it is. It is. But I just kind of feel like we could spend our vacation on other stuff. Okay. I just All it's right. not a just asking. Yeah. Also, I let me let me throw some love to the um, Springs Resorts there, like the Bee Resort and the Wind. I, dude, I've stayed at a lot of those. Those are great resorts. So mm-hmm. let me throw a little uh, little love over there. Um, Mike, number three. Look, the fir- the next three, I think we could interchange. Actually, the next two we can interchange. I think number one needs to stay where it is, but the next two we can interchange. But what's our number three? Our number three is uh, the announcement of the other parks. You know, getting those other gates. It wasn't just going to be Disney World. It was going to be a family attraction for people to come from all over the place. Uh, 1982 opening up Epcot, uh, and then later in the 90s opening up MGM Studios and Animal Kingdom. You know, adding those gates and adding it to become more of a family destination, you know, more of a vacation, not just a theme park, but more of a destination place where you can really expand, I think was absolutely great. I think uh, obviously adding those parks and those gates really exploded that becoming a we're here to stay this way your family has to come and make this a, a long vacation. No, you're right. So this is what creates a, a vacation destination. It doesn't just uh it's not just a theme park that you visit. This is the difference between Disney and uh Legoland and Disney and SeaWorld and Disney that you know, even Universal, even though they have two parks. This is what makes it different is the fact that you can come for seven days, stay and still not see everything. Um, is the fact that they said, you know what, we need another gate. We need another gate. We need another gate. Um, when you talk about, you know, looking forward from the, the original magic kingdom, uh, in 1989, you get MGM studios. And I, I love the idea of Michael Eisner once again, um, which, Hey, it, we have the book club, which we're reading, uh, right now about Michael Eisner. So if you haven't joined that, join that Facebook group as well. Um, we have a Facebook group for just about anything you want to do. Uh, MGM, you get opening, I love that they embrace the Hollywood aspect. They embrace the studios. They're actually filming things there at the time. Uh, you have the backlot tour. You have all kinds of fun stuff. Um, also, something else they do, Mike, is they open the first water park that year as well. They open Typhoon Lagoon. 
mm-hmm. um, which is a massive step towards saying, hey, you know what? We're in Florida pretty much year round. We can almost have uh, water park fun. So so let's do this. And I love they're always writing stories with everything. Of course, everything at Disney starts with a story. But it, it, it really does change things whenever you have these other parks opening. Like you said, 1982 with Epcot, uh, which was always Walt's vision. It's not exactly the vision he had, but you know, it, 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 it serves its purpose in, in creating a, an idea of what the globe is, you know, these other cultures all brought together. So, um, really, really good. And then of course in 1998, you get Joe Rody's vision of animal kingdom brought to life. And, uh, you know, Walt, Animal Kingdom started back in the 50s. It started with Walt saying on the Jungle Cruise, I want live animals. And they said, Walt, we can't do that because we can't control them. We don't know what they're going to do. And he said, well, I, I, I want something with live animals in it. And, of course, no good idea at Disney ever dies. And now you see it, you know, uh, 50 years later, 40 years later, coming back with Animal Kingdom opening. And not only is it a working zoo, it's a working theme park combined. And that's an unbelievable task that they undertook to be able to put in the middle of Central Florida into an already existing uh uh you know vacation destination that's there. So I you gotta give Disney this, Mike. They don't, you know, they're not scared to take a chance. Like they'll they'll throw it out there and they're like, okay, I think we're gonna knock it out of the park. But to do a live theme park after you already have three successful parks bringing tons of people in, huge. Absolutely huge. That's a huge risk. A massive. That, 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 that's, that's a lot of eggs in one basket, so to speak. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, really, you're really going for it on that one. You know, you open an expansion on a land. You know, you open up, you know, like we just saw recently when you open up uh, Star Wars and you open up the Galaxy's Edge. You open that up, eh, if it fails, okay, it's a section of the park. It doesn't become that popular. When you throw all of your stuff into one theme park, that's a lot of investment. Not just that. You put all the guests, you embrace the zoo aspect, and you say, that's going to be our big attraction. Like, our big attraction is a safari at the time. Yeah. That's that's taking a... that's putting them all the chips on on seventeen red, and just crossing your fingers. I yep. think we know what we're doing. You know what I mean? But yeah, I think Joe Rody's earring might have got a little bit. His ear might have drooped a little further over those couple of years from stress. You know, that, that's where the sag came in. Yeah. <laughs> Used to be just a little diamond, just stud. a little diamond stud, and then he got so <laughs> it was so nervous he would tug on it. He would tug on his earring just while he was trying to trying to you know think of ideas, and it just now he's got that that big hoop, so it's good. Take us to our number two, buddy. Uh, so this is something that I was obviously part of too. Uh, I when I first started going to Disney with Sammy and Sarah and and Laura, when we started going as a family, it was in two thousand. Uh, 2007, that was Sammy's first year when she was born. And uh, shortly thereafter, we became DVC members in 2009. And um, the 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 birth of DVC opening in 1991 was absolutely huge. I mean, 
being able to own part of the property other than just being a you know a shareholder or a stockholder i think was super huge i mean i went through this process i thought it was it wasn't your typical timeshare kind of thing it was more of a an experience it wasn't a very low pressure i didn't feel like i mean to this day i mean i've definitely earned my money back on this one 10 times fold i think all of us who are dvc members have um it's not something that i've ever regretted um, it's it's given my family some amazing memories. Uh, I got to stay at places that I normally wouldn't be able to stay. I wouldn't spend that kind of money at the Poly or or you know Animal Kingdom. You know I was more of a moderate or a you know or a value guy. I wouldn't splurge the extra money you know back then. So to be able to do those kind of things and give my family those kind of experiences was was really an amazing thing. So the inception of the DVC opening up in 1991 that was really cool. So. I've talked about this multiple times on this show that when I grew up, it was just me and my mom and we had no money, none. And most of the time we stayed off property and I would, we would drive into property and we would park and we would get on the monorail and we would pass the Grand Floridian come on the monorail and I, the poly. And I would always think, man, it would be cool just to stay there once, just one time. DVC allowed my family to do that, for me to take my child and do that. Because years later, in 2011, I became a DVC owner at Bay Lake Tower, and then 2013 added on at the Grand Floridian. But like you, Mike, I wouldn't spend that money out of pocket, typically. Like, it's just not my, you know, it's just not what our family would do. Um, DVC also played a massive role in expanding the property in general. So what it did was it allowed some of these resorts to be built knowing that they would have cash rooms, but also they had the backing of instant uh, funding from DVC members buying into that property. So such as like, you know, Grand Floridian when they built the extra thing, but it's instant cash for Disney. It's just, it's an expansion of, no, once again, Michael Eisner, it's an expansion of Disney hotels. You know, in 1971, you get the creation of the Polynesian and you get the creation of the contemporary, and that's it. You know, I think Fort Wilderness was there. Um, that's it. That's what, that's what you have. Disney understanding the fact that us as fans and us as people that want to visit on a regular basis, we would put our money where our mouth is and say, we will spend the money to own a portion of the hotel if you let us come. And it worked. It absolutely worked. In 1991, December the 20th, uh, you have the amazing, uh, what was known as, at the time, Disney Vacation Club Resort, which now is Old Key West, uh, that you know was renamed in 1996. Have it open. Now, Mike, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you ever run into DVC members that own the original contract at Old Key West? I don't know anybody who does. Okay, I've ran into a few. It makes you want to punch yourself in the face because you hear what they paid per point <laughs> for, for the original contract. I don't. I, if I tell you what, I, well, I'm sure. What, what do they pay? And I'll tell you what I pay because you'll be shocked at what I paid. Well, most of those people paid less than forty dollars a point. Okay, I paid eighty four a point. Really? In two thousand nine? Yep, Animal Kingdom. Yep, eighty four dollars a point. Well, I paid one eleven at Bay Lake. That's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. To be right next to Magic Kingdom, 
I paid one thirty-five at the Grand Flow. The deal was when I bought it. However many points you had, they would give you a one-time use to match that point. So if you bought 100 points, which is what I bought they gave in my contract, they gave you 100 points. Yeah, same thing with so, both my contracts. Yeah. Right. So it was pretty cool. So my first, my, you know, I, had, I actually had a cash trip uh, place that we were doing a regular cash trip. I think we were staying at uh, uh, Port Orleans or one of, the, you know, one of the moderates. We had right. a whole package taken care of. And uh, actually talking to our good buddy from the show, uh, Chris Masterakis, one of our Disney Dad mm-hmm. family pe- members, was a Disney Vacation Club person before, uh, before I was. And I asked him about it. I said, hey, fill me in. You know, we're kind of on board with all of this Disney stuff. We love going every year. What's this Vacation Club? Do I get credit every time I go? Do I get money? I had no clue what it was. And obviously, you know, Chris being the great guy he was, uh, talked me through it and said, do this, do that. And I think I used him as my reference, too, for that. Uh, for, you know, yeah, that went away the, quick. No more yeah, reference. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so I wound up doing that. And, uh, yeah, I wound up uh, doing my first Disney Vacation Club trip. I bought it, and they gave me the extra 100 points, and I wound up getting an animal, you know, a, a Savannah View room over at Animal Kingdom, you know. So I, I definitely jumped up from being, you know, in Port Orleans and having a very nice room to, you know, having a one-bedroom with a, you know, full kitchen overlooking, you know, giraffes, which is, you know, very, very cool. And uh, like I said, I don't regret my decision once, but, yeah, $84 a point. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, I'm happy with I'm happy with where I bought mine. I mean, we did like I said, our first contract was uh, our wedding money. We had a very small wedding, and we we spent the money on on a contract instead. Uh, second contract we bought uh, at the Grand Flow. Uh, we have three for those people. We have three hundred fifty points total, um, and we have never banked one point. <laughs> <laughs> so we we don't know what banking is because those of you that know DVC you can borrow bank and uh yeah we we typically run through ours pretty quickly um mm-hmm. I think it's a massive moment for Disney to be able yeah. to build resort on top of resort on top of resort and also they, look they're able to stretch out outside of Disney property uh with in in 1995 going to um Vero Beach you know not too far away building Vero and then not too much further after that in 1996 building Hilton Head and uh, you get Hilton Head and then fast forward 2011 you get Alani coming along which you and I have both been to uh, very very beautiful Disney Resort halfway around the world so I loved watching that construction because we were, you know, we were obviously full blown Disney vacation people, and uh, yeah. you know there was uh, there was some social media. Obviously, you know, we got to go on, you know, got to see some of the stuff as it went on. And at DVC members, we the Disney Files magazines, and they would send us the you know updates what was going on, and that was very cool, man. It was it was great to see how they were building that and all the stuff they were going to include. But uh, as, as good as number two is, I think I, I think I definitely want to hand it to you for the number one for the most important influential day on Disney World history uh, when it comes to the Magic Kingdom Park. And Justin, why don't you tell them what it is? Because I know it's an absolute amazing special day. Yeah, I tell you what, it it doesn't happen. None of this happens unless this day comes around, and we're going to be celebrating it very soon. Uh, and that is October the 1st of 1971. They opened the gates to the Magic Kingdom, and they opened the gates to the Magic in Central Florida with the opening of the Walt Disney World Resort. And it is such a special day because this was always Walt's dream to be able to build this vacation destination where their dreams weren't limited by space. You know, they could they could build and conquer anything they wanted to. Uh, as long as the imagination was there, the space was there to build it. And this was the moment. I really wish Walt could have been there to see it. I think he would have 
uh, really, really enjoyed what they did. You know, when Walt died, the original idea was for, you know, to have Epcot, you know, uh, this, this city of tomorrow. But when Walt died, they thought, what do we do now? We have this land, you know, what do we do? And they go and they pretty much mimic the Disneyland resort. And it, I think it plays perfectly though. I really do. I think if Walt was here, he'd go, no, it makes sense. You know, make it for each coast, make it for everyone. Um, it really is absolutely perfect. But, you know, when you look back at at 50 years, 50 years, Mike, of families going. My mom was there opening weekend in uh, 1971. Her, her choir sang uh, on the steps of Cinderella Castle. Um, and then we look forward over 50 years of all the millions of memories, the millions of pictures, you know, the all the times that families have spent spent their hard-earned money going to and, and, and creating memories together. I think this one moment in time means so much if you're a Disney fan. October the 1st, 1971, because for 50 years, we've had nothing but fantastic, fun, uh, uh, you know, out of, out of Central Florida. And it just means everything if you're a Disney fan. Are you going to do anything special October 1st? I don't know, man. I thought about doing a live thing. Okay. You know, jump on, celebrate a little bit uh, with, a birthday pa- toast. with the Patreon, have a little birthday toast, uh, maybe pop a bottle, you know, do all that kind of stuff. Um, I wish I, I, part of me wishes I was there. I was there 45th and I was at Bay Lake Tower for the 45th. Man, was it a madhouse. It was crazy. Uh, they, so I can't imagine what it's going to be like. But for those of you going on the 50th, I'm super uh, excited and stoked for you because I think look you're going to be the part you are going to be a part of something that will live forever people always look back to the 50th you know and, and say where were you when Walt Disney World turned 50 years old the 50th anniversary of this am- amazing place that we all love and they've never touched up the paint it's been the same ever since same paint it's good <laughs> paint, paint though Sherwin Williams um <laughs> uh, Mike, looking back over 50 years, man, where does this – I mean, it's got to be number one. What do you think the importance of this one moment of opening this park is? Uh, just the generations and generations of, of families that have come. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, your mom was there uh, opening weekend. You know, she got to sing there. I think that um, – I hope that someday, you know, down the road, my kids can bring their kids there and have their memories of their childhood the same way I have memories of my childhood. And I think it's a, it's a special day because if they didn't have that opening day, I don't think this would have that same generational from one group to another to another to another. So, uh, you know, it's obviously thank thankfully that we got to see that opening day. And, you know, if it was California, I probably wouldn't, you know, have have gone as many times as I did. You know, Florida being as convenient as it is for us to get down there, I think it was a home run that that's where it was. And, uh, you know, hopefully I get to see many, many more anniversary days. And hopefully my future grandkids will get to spend many times and, and my kids can talk about all the special moments they had when they were in the parks. Yeah, it's one of those things, man, where it's 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 a moment you don't get too many of those moments with something you really love, you know, something you really, really cherish. And we all have a common 
bond here if you're listening to my voice and that is that we love Walt Disney World and then we love Disneyland but, but I think a lot of us are, are Disney World people and mm. the fact that we it, it's it's almost you know we're talking about we started the episode with talking about me coaching soccer like each of my players are my kids the parks are kind of like that too like watching them grow and watching them over time progress and and become you know different and new it's fun man it's it's a, it's a fun experience to be a part of you know and being on the media side of this and being able to to talk about it week to week it's such a such a special moment to celebrate and say happy birthday uh Walt Disney World and and you know we hope you have an amazing uh uh 50th and and here's to 50 more that are going to be absolutely incredible and uh especially coming out of the last two years you know that the forty eighth and the forty ninth were not exactly what we probably thought, uh, but now that we're moving forward and we can celebrate and we can look to the future, I think is something really, really special, buddy. I agree. You know, one thing that we didn't hit on our list, kind of an honorable mention, was uh, one of the history things in the in the park would be the photo pass system. You know, I mean, they they introduced that years ago where family could get great family photos. But you know what I think is better than a photo pass? Our own Disney family posts some amazing pictures on our Disney Dads Facebook page. That brings me to my favorite thing every week, and that would be Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Time for us to get our picks of the week. Justin, what's your pick of the week? Yeah, my pick of the week is going to go to uh, Kelly Haas. Uh, Kelly posted some amazing pictures. We're talking about the history of Walt Disney World the last 50 years. From 1986 to 1987, going through the 15th anniversary. Uh, And it looks like you got the Skyway there, Fantasyland. Uh, Just some amazing, amazing pictures. I absolutely love it. one thing that always stays standard is it doesn't matter what era the picture's taken in. If it's inside the Magic Kingdom, it's absolutely a beautiful picture. So, Kelly, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sorry, Kelsey. I said Kelsey. Did I say Kelly or is that Kelsey? Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for posting those. Really appreciate it. Very cool. Mike, Great what picks. about you, bud? Uh, my picture, my pick of the week is going to go to Sammy M. Saladina Coret, and she posted pictures of some of her favorite pictures from the most recent trip, her daughter's second viewing of Happily Ever After, and my nephew's first and last. Uh, brought some tears to my eyes, uh, usually unexpected seeing them watch it and love it. My nephew and my brother-in-law's first time on the Astro Orbiter and Cruella with her two Dalmatians at Boobash. Very, very cool pictures. Very, that that picture with Oogie Boogie on the top uh, left-hand corner over there, right above the castle, super cool. I love that picture. I've never seen that one before. Have you ever seen that when they've uh, photoshopped that in there, Justin? No, I think that may be new this year. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, very cool. I like that with the uh, with the Boobash. Uh, great pictures, and you have my pick of the week. Love it. Hey, guys, uh, right now, scroll down. There's all those links there, okay? I'm going to make it super simple. Uh, head over to the website. Find all of our episodes. Of course, there's uh, almost 300 episodes for you all to check out, whether it be the Disney Heads Podcast, Disney 8, uh, Walking with Walt. Uh, there's lots of good stuff over there uh, to enjoy. Uh, so check those out now. Also, if you have not done I don't know why not. Go join our Facebook group, Disney Dads Podcast Facebook Family on Facebook. Uh, it is there, and that is where we get our not only our picks of the week, but it is a super positive, family-friendly, fun spot for you to hang out in. Uh, so make sure and go and join that. Also, scroll down, click us five stars, give us that virtual hug, write a review. If you like what we're doing, trying to grow this family, trying to become the most positive, 
place on the internet for Disney love. Uh, none of that nonsense that we're going to talk fake news or doing that stuff. We are straight up family fun. Uh, we appreciate you guys doing that. It helps us grow the show, helps us reach more and more people, uh, and we really appreciate you. Uh, if you've always wanted to be a part of the Patreon, if you've always wanted to be a part of that family that has access to that special Facebook group, has access to the extra show, has access to the video aspect, there are lots of tiers for you to choose from. You can find your perfect tier from clicking that link right below and becoming a part of the Disney House Podcast Patreon family. Uh, Mike, buddy, I've had an amazing time. I always enjoy seeing your smiling face. Both of us have been extremely busy the last couple of days, uh, but it's always good to get together and talk. Walt Disney World, especially on what is this, the 50th anniversary of our favorite place in the world, Walt Disney World. And, uh, buddy, I am going to turn it off to you for some closing words before we take it to the Patreon to talk about some of our own personal favorite things that have happened over the last 50 years because we did not include those uh, in this one. And we're also going to talk some concerts, man. Uh, we're going to talk Disney concerts and some of our own personal experience at concerts uh, in the future. But before we head over there, buddy, closing words. Uh, you know, we talked about the 10, 10 things that happened at Disney World. I have a lot of personal memories, obviously. You know, we're going to talk about that later. Uh, you know, happy birthday to Walt Disney World. Uh, I can't imagine my life or my, my kids' childhood without it. It's always been a staple part of us. Uh, that's why we do this. That's why we have this passion for what we do. And um, man, 50 years goes by quick. Uh, I, and our our whole family experience has gone by even quicker. So cherish those moments, enjoy it, and uh, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. And uh, you know, kind of look around when you're in the parks and take it all in because uh, 50 years goes by quick. Yeah, you couldn't have said it better, buddy. Happy birthday, Walt Disney World. Uh, thank you for the memories. Thank you for everything that you have brought to our lives, my life, my family's life. And uh, here is to 50 more. Uh, Disney Ed's family, thank you guys. Have an amazing week. Spread some Disney cheer. Make someone smile. Be happy. And until next time, we will see you real soon. Patreon family, stick around. Have a good night. Have a good night. From Mike, Justin, and myself, we want to say thank you. And remember, always keep it Disney. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin, let the and that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.